Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to yet another episode of Two Developers Down Under. I am joined once again by my surreptitiously sour partner in crime, Kai Koenig. How are you doing today, Kai? I'm doing very well, Mark. How are you? I'm good. I actually just realized that I never say my name in that intro. Really? That's interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, I always say I'm joined by, like, people should just know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> the famous Mark Mondale is today joined by. <laughs> um, I just had a funny one for you as well. You know, if I was to do the intro, I would have probably said, like, the amazingly Americanized Mark Mondale. Oh, thank you. That's, that's I'm not amazingly Americanized, at least not yet. <laughs> yet. It's about to happen, dude. Yeah, you will you will not be able to avoid it. I won't be able to avoid it. I've, uh, your, ex- your accent will change, and you'll be using all those American terms and stuff like that. It's gonna happen. Yep. I'll just start things with like, "Welcome to Two Developers Down Under. How y'all doing today?" <laughs> right now, it's not really working that well because it still comes with an Aussie accent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I tweak it. So, all right. So, so before we get, yeah, why don't we why don't we start talking about uh, our usual stuff, which is anniversaries today, and then we can start talking about why we're talking about what we're talking about. Yeah, that's fine. So I've got something really cool. Um, okay. In 1923, the 24-hour race of Le Mans was first done, first held. Okay, that's quite cool. I suppose so. The, yeah. The other thing I found interesting was. Um, Today, in 1969, Apollo 10 returned to Earth. Oh, that's pretty good. I mean, that was like not a proper, you know, like awesomely um, flight that made it to the moon or something like that, but it was like a yep. test that they ran to prepare for the moon landing, essentially. Well, that's actually kind of surreptitious because um, today is also the 54th anniversary. Actually, this is interesting. You and I are on different days, so we're not going to clash anymore. Um Oh, you're looking at May 25th. I'm looking at May 25th. <laughs> cool, awesome. <laughs> so you and I are never going to clash anymore. But um, so uh, Kennedy announced his goal to put a man on the moon today, 1961. Oh, okay. So that that ties in together. You got any more? I, I, I don't want to stop you too much. Um, those were the oh the other one I had, but that's not that exciting. Um. In 1968, the European community basically um, started to come up with a European flag for the first time. Okay. Which is like, yeah, interesting if you live in Europe, but, you know, it's like not groundbreaking. What do I've you have? Got, um, oh, yes. The 23rd anniversary, Jay Leno takes over The Tonight Show after Johnny Carson retires. Oh, okay. Um, the other one I had, Babe Ruth hits his final home run of his career for the Boston Braves. Mm-hmm. Is the 80th anniversary of that. Uh, and it is the birth of Miles Davis today. Well, if he was still alive, 89th anniversary. Cool. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good one. But yes, yes, so um, probably moving on from there, we should probably point out that I am no longer in Australia. Well, I guess people might have figured that out because you are living in the past now. Yes, I am living in the past now. Yeah. Um, so what happened, Mark? <laughs> what happened? So people managed to uh, miss all the tweets and um, and, <laughs> and uh, my blog post. Yeah, uh, myself, my wife, my dog. We have moved over to sunny California, though I'm still looking for the sun. Um, and uh, took a position at Google as a developer advocate. It seemed like something interesting to do to you know pass some time and whatnot. So here we are. Interesting. That sounds yeah. cool. 
It's been a bit of a whirlwind. We still don't know where we're going to be living in about five weeks' time, but, you know, we'll get there. So is that why um, why your wife is watching the blog currently, to just prepare for a quick four-week build <laughs> renovation process? <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but I like it. I like it a lot. I'll let her that's what we're doing. We're just going to get ourselves a fixer-upper, and I'm just going to be like, all right, so you've got a day to do a bathroom, a bedroom, and a pantry. Go. Easy as. Yeah. Not a problem. If they, can do it, if they can do it on TV, you can do it. No <laughs> and it has to be pretty and perfect, you know. Yeah, yeah. And no half ass jobs. Yeah, and then I'm going to come in and I'm going to judge it, and then there's going to be a scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you might be judged, you know, on the back of that and get like a plane ticket to somewhere else from yeah. your wife. <laughs> <laughs> So in terms of the sun, you know, in California, so they sold you on like sunny California and it just fails basically Such on that. Such a lie. <laughs> so it's, it's been, it's meant to be coming into spring. It's about 15 degrees here at the moment. It's sort of, San Francisco seems to just basically sit in this pattern of warmish, coolish. And depending on what time of day it is and which area you're in and whether you're in the shade or with the sun, you're either got your jacket on or you got your jacket off. Um, When I was here for interviews in winter, it was warmer than it is now. Hmm. I yeah, I think I think it's always that like moving to a different country thing that people, when people oversell the climate, you know, when we moved to New Zealand, basically people are saying like, oh, it's like so warm and you know you don't need heating and all that crap, yep. and then you get your first May or June here in winter and you think like, what the hell are those people talking about? You know, it's like <laughs> ridiculous. And sure, there are people walking around in flip-flops and shorts in July or August in the middle of winter, but why would I if I can avoid that? <laughs> It sounds reasonable. So, um, yeah, it's been, but look, you know, we're, we're staying in a really nice place in San Francisco. We've got some temporary accommodation in Noe Valley. Um, we're currently, uh, experiencing the, uh, seventh layer of hell that is the property market over here. Mm -hmm. Trying to find something to, uh, to buy and that's just, Fun, having lots of fun. I'm sure you, you went through similar things moving from Germany. Yeah, did you, you had trouble with your bank account, didn't you? I saw oh, some yeah. tweets and Facebook messages and stuff like that. <laughs> Don't get me started. Basically, Chase Bank sucks and I hate them. Um, and now we're banking with Wells Fargo and they've been lovely, but we're just a little bit behind on our timeline for getting stuff sorted. So, um. so it's basically because all of the bureaucracy you yeah. run run around in circles right that's you know you can't do x but you can't get x without y which you can't do yeah. without x basically that kind of that's, stuff right it's that sort of stuff i think um most of that stuff hasn't been too bad chase bank was very much like we have to have this and i'm like well i can't give you that because australian regulations will prevent my bank from being able to tell you that and they're like well we have to have it okay that's the, end of the story and it's just like oh i can't i can't deal with that i really can't do anything with this um Whereas, whereas the, the group I'm dealing with now, Wells Fargo, seem to be much more flexible. And they're like, listen, man, we'll work it out. Like, we can't get something, then we'll work it another way. Like, we'll get there one way or another. It's all good. So they've been they've been awesome. Um, so, yeah, if you move over here, don't bank with Chase. Go with, go with someone like Wells Fargo. Um, they've been they've been helping us out getting a mortgage. Um, another interesting thing, if you're moving to the States from another country, you'll have options for having mortgages that you won't have probably for anywhere for six months, like for a number of years afterwards because of credit scores. Um, so you may want to take advantage oh, of it. Really? Yeah, that's that's what I found. Basically, that's what we got told. Like, Because a lot of people come in and we're like, you're buying straight away? That's crazy. I'm like, well, actually, it's kind of not, first of all, because – 
there's no real um, there's no real downside to having a mortgage. If you sell a house and you want to pay off your mortgage straight away, there's no penalties or anything like that. Like there is, I know in Australia, I don't know about New Zealand. Um, but also because the credit score system works a certain way. You have to build up your credit score so then you can borrow a certain amount of money and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Having no credit score, you just kind of go in through a different path. So I can Oh, really? That's that interesting. Path. Okay. Yeah. So I send over like bank statements and like everything from my old bank and what credit I have and what loans I have and everything. Like basically it's a huge packet and they put together like this fake credit score for you. And so you <laughs> borrow money, right? And it's cool. Like it's, it's really useful. They've, they've got the, the, the shit together in that way, which is great. But, um, but yeah, if I waited six months or a year, then they'd be like, well, you haven't built up much of a credit score. So we're not going to, we're not going to give you a lot of money yet. So we okay. should jump on it early. Um, so there's that, but yeah. Um, I'm starting to roll my R's a little bit more and say things in a bit of an American accent. I can hear it. It's, <laughs> but I round, I round my R's a lot and I, I really do change the way I speak a bit talking to an American audience a lot. So it's going to, it's going to become habit. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, you just use different expressions and you use a different style. I, I find, yeah. find that always true when I go to the US for like conferences. It's, yep. It's kind of the same language, but it's a very different style of using that language. Yes. I swear a lot less. There's that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Americans, Americans don't swear as much as Australians do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have to be careful with a very dry sense of humor. Because <laughs> also, <laughs> there's also things. So there's cultural differences. It's good fun though. Yeah. Um, I was having fun the other day with having a good crack at something and people looked at me funny. Um, so that didn't fly really? Having a crack yeah, I think some people got it, some people didn't. It's, yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a funny one. There's lots of stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's it's good fun. So yeah, we're, we're over here now. Um, been here for three whole weeks. Um, it's been a, it's been an adventure. Still got way more to go. Cool. Finally got finally got bank accounts the other day. That was a big step. <laughs> so your new job is like a developer advocate, right? That's the modern way of saying you're a tech evangelist, isn't it? Well, really? um, we don't, I don't I don't use the word evangelist. That's that's not what I do. I'm an advocate. It's very different. Um, but if you want to talk about probably similar roles in other companies, then yeah, that that would be be true. So yeah, doing a lot of going about talking to people. Um, so I'm I'm tied directly to the Google Cloud platform. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, sounds like bullshit, but is awesome, and I really like it. I've been working with it the last ten months just because of previous engagements. Um, but uh, no, I really love it. Even even like the last few days, I've been moving my blog over to Google Cloud Platform. And I'm like, this thing's awesome. This thing's awesome. This thing's awesome. I've just been very happy. So, so um, is your blog running on on CFML or on some other platform? Nah, it's a WordPress blog. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So I moved it to well. WordPress. Ages ago, um, I mainly picked WordPress because I had so much old content, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to shift it over. Um, and I think I've actually broken all the. I grandfathered a whole bunch of links, and I think I actually broke it now. I haven't, I haven't transferred that stuff across, but if that stuff hasn't moved, I'm not going to worry too much about it. Um, and yeah, just yeah, in the last few days, um, Google Cloud Platform has some really nice one-click launches. Mm-hmm. So I ran one of those. It's a, they've got, if you've ever, you know, Bitnami? Yes. Yeah. So they've got Bitnami. They're partnered with Bitnami. So they've got Bitnami one click launcher for WordPress. I used that. Actually, the documentation for Bitnami was really good. So I could tweak it just the way I wanted it to. So when, when you run the Bitnami install, they actually create a whole MySQL instance on that machine. And I was like, no, I'm going to use Cloud SQL so I can actually, you know, get 
backups and redundancy and all that stuff. Shut mm-hmm. that off. That was no problem. Got my theme on there, and yeah, it's been ace. It's been really ace. Good. Oh, cool. So, how how much is like Google Cloud Platform from a costing point of view compared to like a you know, virtual server or something like that? If you That's just go, if you just look at it from a WordPress block point of view, you know, with like average traffic or something like that. Oh, now you're asking me the tough questions, of which I should probably know answers, but off the top of my head, don't specifically. Um, it really depends on who you're hosting with, too. There is that. But we just dropped our prices for the umpteenth time. Um, uh, now you're going to make me look up pricing. Actually, uh, there is a really, 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 really good – let's see if I can find it. Um, and while you're looking for that, we should probably, you know, stress again that this is not like a Google advertorial because <laughs> fair, uh, you were actually working with Google Cloud Platform and Go and all sorts of stuff like you know, the, over was. the last year. Yep, yep, yep. Um, is it Cloudera? It is. I think it is. Here you go. There is actually a really awesome website that does a whole comparison of just about everybody, and you can do like pricing features. It's Really awesome. Yeah, this is it. This is it. It is Cloudera Providers Comparison. Um, I'll show you this. I'll check it on the list. Um, we do a couple of really interesting things, though, pricing-wise, that I can't speak to because I can remember them. Um, I've only been <laughs> two weeks, so bear with me. <laughs> um, one of which is per-minute pricing, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't use an instance for very long, you can have it come up and down and you're only paid per minute. Um, we also do uh, automatic discounting over for extended usage. So you don't have to do like reserved instances or anything like that where you're like, I'm using this forever, I'm telling you. Just yep. if you use it and you use it for a long time, then we give you a discount. Um, and I can also tell you we recently dropped all our prices again uh, for about everything. And I'd have to have a look at they were. Yeah, I'm going to have a look. Yeah, I'm going to have a look at it anyway at some point um, because of something we'll probably talk about a bit later. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that comparison is actually really nice. Just looking at it, it now. is. It's a really nice feature comparison. Um, we'll check it, stuck it in the journal notes. It shows everyone from like ninefold to cloud platform to AWS to a whole bunch of ones I've never even heard of yet. Uh, but like Rackspace, people know Rackspace. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of them and variety of what you can do with it and, and like which, who has what services and yeah. Um, but I think, I think the thing I probably need to stress like hugely, and this is one thing that just gets me very, very excited is the fact that the Google cloud platform runs on Google infrastructure. And that's just amazing. It is just amazing. Um, so you, you can't really ask for a better background that way. I know that sounds all preachy and silly and stuff like that, and it's awful, but I'm, I'm genuine. I'm actually, this is this has been, to transition a little, this has been something that I'm getting really excited about, like the whole developer advocacy side of things, and I'm genuinely excited about the role because it's very different from what I've done in the past, And but also very excited about the platform too because just the more I learn about it, the more I'm just like, this is this is absolutely kick-ass. So I'm making big wavy hands in the air because I'm getting excited. <laughs> okay, cool. That's fair enough. <laughs> Cool. So you moved your blog over, um, yep. and that was reasonably smooth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty cool. good. Found some things I didn't like. Found some things I did like. You know, usual stuff. But um, no, it went it went pretty well. There's a there's a couple of options there. There's actually a Google click to launch, and there's a Bitnami one. I like the Bitnami one better. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully in the near future, if people are around, they'll they'll 
within the next year or so, I'll start getting off to events and doing some presentations and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, if people want me to come present on, well, pretty much anything really, you know, it doesn't have to be cloud related, um, please do let me know. That's what I do for a living now. So more than happy to come, come hang out with people and talk tech and do all that sort of fun stuff. It's, it's my job. So what, Just kind what's of, the deal? What's the deal with traveling internationally? Can you do events in Aussie and New Zealand? Um, that is an excellent question. I think I, I can't say for sure, to be completely honest. I'd have to probably check with my manager to be completely okay. Um, it would, I expect it would have to depend a lot on what kind of event it was and how people were attending and yeah. things like that. Uh, which is pretty true for any event that I can go to, so. Yeah, but it's obviously easier to justify, you know, a trip to, yes. I don't know, LA. Um, yes. Compared to a trip to Auckland or Sydney, yep. you know, yep. for yep. the yep. same size of event. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, going to be doing. Ines, you know, it's um, it's been a really interesting ride too. Just joining Google, there's so much information that you get handed, and it's such a huge company that does so many things. Um, so that's all big and exciting and crazy. But um, I would, I'd recommend. So far, I'd say I'd recommend it. Like it's, it's just been an amazing company to join, uh, especially even coming from someone who's worked from home for ages. Like I'm just. Like, this place is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are people. Oh my god, humans. Yeah, yeah. Though, though I do admit, was it, was it yesterday? No, it wasn't yesterday. It was on Friday when I was at work. There's, there's. Um, I just went and sat in like a quiet room for a bit, and I, I actually had almost forgotten what silence sounded like. It was, it was quite mm-hmm. shocking. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But yeah, no. So, do you, um, do you find yourself like working with? headphones on a lot of the time when you're in the office yeah i do it depends depends what i'm doing um what i'm working on depends yeah but i sort of bounce between it's not as it's not but i worked with headphones on when i was at home anyway so it doesn't make that much difference yeah okay are you, are you a music listener too you sit and listen to music i'm a music listener but i wouldn't use headphones at home i would just have them have a music play out of the loudspeaker See, I used to do that, and uh, my wife thought that maybe she might kill me one day if I continued doing it, and so I decided it might be a bad idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> that might be you know, a sign that your taste of music is just wrong. No, I think it's a sign that her taste of music is wrong, but that's, you know. That might be another reason why you might get killed, <laughs> so be careful. That's also true. That's also, <laughs> also, also true. Um, yeah. So what are you up to? Um, I was at the Dev Objective recently. Oh yeah, how was that? That was cool. It was a really nice conference again. Um, yep. really well done. Unfortunately, Jared wasn't there because he's kind of stuck in Arizona somewhere for work currently. Oh yeah. And I saw there was a few other Australians there. I saw Jeff Bowers was there. Yeah, Jeff Bowers was there and, um, that was about it really. I mean, that oh, was okay. the only, only Australian I can actively <laughs> remember at least. <laughs> Um, yeah, Jeff was there for the first time, um, and I think the reason was the big Lucy thing that yep. is currently going on. So you have heard of that, right? Even though you left the CFML space a little bit. I, I keep tabs. I keep tabs. Just okay. check, see what's going on. Maybe, yeah. maybe just for a little bit of gossip, because it's funny. Yeah, yeah. you're hanging <laughs> you hang the Confusion IRC channel anyway, so you must yeah, have. I'm, I'm there more than you are. <laughs> well, I I recently started to be on the channel again by having by always having line chat open. So when my computer go, comes online, it will finally log in, and at least I can you know see the stuff that was happening on there. Yep. Are you, uh, you an IRC cloud user? I have an IRC cloud account, but I'm not really sure if it's worthwhile 
paying five dollars a month for it. Well, you can start. You can start for free on one network. I think it is. Really? Um, I can't, I can't remember. Every, it, yeah. every time I log in now, and I have that account for like I don't know a year or something like that. Um, it basically nags me like, hey, you need to pay $5 because otherwise you are offline and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, screw I think it. you just cut down how many um, networks you're connected to. I think you can live with it on one network. But I pay the 5 bucks. It's awesome. I love it. So in, in how many different channels are you in IRC? Um, how many am I in? I'm in App Engine. I'm in Clojure. I'm in Australian Clojure, which is dead most of the time. Um, Confusion, Google Cloud, so G Cloud, Go Nuts, Google Containers, uh, and one called Polyhack, which is sort of Australian and some various tech people. That's a poly, poly, uh, polyglot little community. Uh, okay. But I'm pretty much only on Freenode actually these days, but I'm quite happy to pay for it. It's, I, the mobile app is just awesome, so. No. Oh, I haven't tried that at all yet. So that might be another, you know, good case for paying for it potentially yeah it just means but like main, if you mention me on irc then i get a ping on my phone and it's a great like, a not, uh, like a, an offline notification actually yeah 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 oh, cool. well i'm okay. never because i'm always connected right i'm on irc mm-hmm. cloud they always have me connected so i'm always there so you can always reach me and this is another nice way to reach people yeah fair enough i might give it another go then you know and have a look at the mobile app and see if that's actually useful for me or not uh Oh, I see. Okay, so when you're free, I'm actually checking it out. So it's unlimited history access. You can have two IRC connections, but you can only stay connected for two hours while inactive. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's also very naggy when, you know, you log in and it always comes up with those, hey, upgrade, yeah. pay me now, upgrade messages, and I hate that. Fair enough, fair enough. Mm. No, I've been paid for it for a while. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, the CFML community basically went through a little bit of a shake-up, I want to say. You know, like, <laughs> a little brouhaha. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Little yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is like Lucina, which is the newest CFML engine, and it's a fork of Rilo. Yeah. And this whole history, you know, behind that, and it's probably worthwhile at least mentioning it briefly. So it seems that, I mean, Lucy was forked in, I don't know, January or something, so it's quite a few months back already. That that happened, um, and the whole idea is to take Lucy or take CFML forward um, in that Lucy fork, which is actually driven by all the core developers that used to work on Rilo before. So they all left the Rilo project and work now on the Lucy project. So that sounds kind of similar to you know what happened with Oracle and Jenkins and Hudson and that kind of stuff, for example, or you know. What is it? Um, MySQL and is it Maria? Maria DB. Yeah. You know, that kind of scenario basically where apparently from the looks of it, um, core developers of a product or of a project became unhappy with something. Let's say it that way for now and basically forked it and started their own thing, which is perfectly legal, right? Because Rilo was LGPL. You can, everyone can pretty much do whatever they want as long as they keep the license, really. Um, the Lucy platform is now driven by a Swiss association called the Lucy Association Switzerland, coincidentally, <laughs> LAS for short, which is like basically um, kind of a club, and you can become member of that club. Do you get, do you get a secret decoder ring? Is that what happens? 
I don't know <laughs> if you get that. <laughs> so you can become a member, you know, either as a person or as a as a company or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you have like a vote in the general assembly and on the board and all that kind of stuff. And you can also become a supporter, which is a bit cheaper than becoming a member. Um, but anyway, so that is all set up as a non-profit now. And I think personally that's a good thing. And it was all plodding along nicely. So there is Lucy for the – we could argue that point, but that's okay. Go on. Yeah, we we could argue that point, but I think it's probably a good way to run and manage an open source project, I think. But, you know, we'll see how it pans out. So anyway, there yep. was like um, Lucy 4.5, which is basically yep. a fork from Rilo 4.2. And because all the core developers have moved from, you know, um, Rilo to Lucy, um, they pretty much – churn out releases and bug fixes really quickly. And the Lucy project seems to be set up really nicely and professionally at this point. There's also Lucy 5, the next next big version. And what's interesting about that is, all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, the majority shareholder of the Rilo company, you know, TRC, which is that entity that a few years ago bought the... Bought the um, the rights, the naming rights of Rilo and all the IP and all that stuff from Gert and Misha from Rilo Switzerland back then. They came out of the woodwork and published a blog post on the um, on the uh, Rilo blog yep. saying like, hey, you know what? Pretty much this is all illegal and Rilo can't be forked um, because we have the IP. I, and I don't know if I read it that way at all. Well, that's pretty much what they are saying, right? Like, Rilo can't be forked. Rilo Lucy5 is illegal. Everyone who's using Lucy5 will use an illegal product and will settle this in the courts. Um, okay, hold that, on, hold on. Now I gotta, now I gotta bring this up because I read that differently. I'm trying to find Really? Now. Okay, let's have a look. That's interesting. they're not particularly happy about it. Because from the way I read it, the issue wasn't with the forking. The issue was where all this new code was coming from. Which kind of is like, you know, part of a problem with the forking. No, not necessarily. Slightly different things. Okay, let's have a look Um, at the box. I'm trying to find... Have you got it? I've got it in front of me, yeah. Yeah, if can you, you just post the link in, can you post the link in oh, Google no. Drive so I can click it? That would actually help, yes. <laughs> be really useful, thanks. Here we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Um, so they, they bring up a few, uh, yeah, so the issues, they've got several issues here. Um, it's, a, it's around IP. So if the Rayla trademark is used in any way, so if that's still existing within the fork, then that's a problem. Which it is not, right? It's all renamed to Lucy. Okay, as long as that is, that's fine. Um, the the people who – part of the company that have forked it, so we're talking about Gert and the people who are involved in the Rayla team, um, they still have from – what, from what they're saying is they still have uh, – they still have part of ownership or, or, or they're at least part of a company that was Railo Technologies. Um, and there's some conflicts of interest there that need to be discussed, I would say. Um, 
and because they have their 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 like those people and their shareholders. It looks sounds like what they're saying in their contracts are saying they cannot license the railway server, perform any service connection with or related to the railway server um, for or on behalf of any third party. Now this would be a third party. Well, it's not the railway server, right? Anymore. But well, what that was. what that what that particular line tells me is it what it means would be like if you if those people would basically say you know what we'll take the Rilo code and we'll sell it commercially or we provide services. It say, but it doesn't say it doesn't say commercially. This or, is why I'm saying like it's there is there is I can see why you'd be going to the court with this because I am not a lawyer. But there's nothing that says specifically commercially. It's a very it's a very broad statement. Cannot perform any services in connection with or related to the Rilo server for or on, or on behalf of any third party. Yeah, that that is like, fair enough. Yeah, I would I would argue it's not the Rilo server anymore. And but the transition know. of taking it the Rilo server and moving it to the fork and considering they're still tied to the original company and have signed contracts, it's a contract dispute. It's not about whether or not they can fork it. It's a contract dispute based on the fact that they're still tied to the original company and there's IP restrictions there. That is fair enough. You know, if we talk about a contract dispute, if there was, which we don't yeah. know really, if there was like an employment they're claiming contract, it was. That's, what, that's what something they're saying. like that, yeah. that basically says like you know people A, B, and C cannot, you know, maybe use the the Rilo code base or any fork of the Rilo code base for anything outside of TRC, if that existed somewhere, which I really don't know, that that's, could potentially That's what be they're good. claiming. That's what they're that's what they're claiming. Yeah. That's and what we'll saying. see you know we'll see what happens there. I don't know. Um and what they're also saying, and I'm trying to find the particular line, is basically now I think it's where is it, four point five? No. I I I'm trying to find the line and I can't seem to find it, but I think what they're also saying is that the features that were released on the Lucy server were originally written um uh, originally written for Rilo and then moved, in which case the IP of that belongs to uh TRC. And that's where that other issue comes in. So it's another it's another conflict of interest because of IP issues because they were employees of Rilo and signed contracts. So it's got nothing to do with whether or not they can. So if you wanted to come along today and be like, I'm forking Rilo to a whole other platform, they'd be like, cool. You have no engagement with the original company. You are under no obligations. I assume you don't have any obligations. No. So they can't stop you. That's LGPL. That's great. That's fine. It's really around this contract dispute stuff. Um, and I think that gets... From, from the bits I've seen, I think it gets muddied up a bit. People go, oh, Rilo's being the big bad wolf here. When in actuality, they've got contractual obligations with people who should be actually like adhering to them. So like, it's not totally crazy. Fair enough. It's not totally crazy. If there was contractual agreements that actually say that, if that's not – I would expect invent- there would be. If, if you're a company owner and that's what you were doing, like you'd have those agreements in place. I mean that seems pretty reasonable. Well, to be fair, you know, it's – I don't think it's as black as white from that point of view either, right? Because um, you would also think if you wanted, which is what Rilo wanted to do, like release a commercial server, a commercial version of like an LGPL project, project, you would actually have contributors agreements in place that you, you know, basically can make sure that you have the agreement from every individual committer mm. that you can release the code commercially, which TRC never did. I, so, I you know, yeah, I don't know. 
So at, th at this point, for example, even if you know the Rilo company wanted to release a commercial server, they couldn't because the IP is like split across, I don't know, 20 people or something like that, and just one person needs to say nah, and they will never be yeah, able to Yeah, they really should have been. That's a that's but you know what? That's a wholly separate bag of worms. That is it is agreeably, what, agreeably just as awful. Yeah, it is totally separately, right? But what I'm saying is you would think that is common sense as well. If you run a company to to release a commercial server and they haven't, you know, TRC hasn't done that either. So I wouldn't be too surprised if this whole blog post and the claims they make or the claims that majority shareholder makes is – to a good part, at least, a whole bag of hot air and nothing behind that. So that's my personal whole, take on yeah. it. I don't know. Like the whole open source licensing stuff, if you actually get into the legal parts of it and why you have things like contributor agreements and how large companies manage all this sort of stuff, like it's it's a tangle. It is a tangle. It's it's, it's really not as clear cut, um, and that's why that's why lawyers get involved. I mean, that's that's really what it's about. Yeah, I mean that it's sad that it has to come to that. So we'll, you know, we'll see what comes out of that. But you know, at this point, regardless, from my point of view, you know, the Lucy Fork, there's nothing, you know, illegal in that. It's done by an association. If oh yeah, like the the, the Lucy, like really, the, this will come down to actually, I reckon this will come down to like specific people. This is this yeah. is how this is this will end up panning out. It potentially might, and we'll, yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens on that end. Yeah. But um, I don't think it affects Lucy in any way, really. I think it, yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting one whether they could go after that particular company. I'd be surprised it's a non-profit, um, unless they could somehow tie. Again, I'm not a lawyer, so I have no idea. So they could somehow tie specific people to both companies, and there's something there. But um, yeah, I think I think I think if Arlo's going to do anything, they're going to have to go after their basically their their previous employees and previous people who had like shareholders agreements and stuff to basically go look, you're in violation here, so we're going to see you. Yeah, I mean that stuff is obviously not really out in the open, so we can't really say much on that or you know deduct much from that. Yeah. There's a claim from like you know that majority shareholder, and that's about all that's out there really. The interesting part though is they, um, you know, like um, Adam Cameron yeah. wrote a blog post about that blog post. And basically invited people to come up with a list of questions to ask the Rilo company because, yep. you know, among all those legal things, the Rilo company claimed that there's active development on Rilo happening and blah, 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 blah. Well, that, that, that makes me ask the question. Why was there a fork? Like, was that explained? Like, what was the reason? Um, I think the official word is that <laughs> basically – there. hard questions today. No, it's fine. You know, the official word was, was said is the Rilo project has become stagnant because of differences in direction. And when you look at the Rilo repositories, you'll see that there, you know, there haven't been many commits in 2014, essentially, and there haven't been many releases in 2014. And at some point, the developers behind Rilo, um, kind of just got fed up with that and, um, you know, forked it to actually take the language forward and take the product forward finally so the, again. So the issue was the overarching organization and they had to get away from that is basically the issue. I personally would say so if you want to wrap it up in one sentence, yes. Okay. I'm really curious to know like what, what, what that overarching company was doing that forced people to, to do this. Yeah, I mean the other thing that's interesting, the other thing that's interesting though is um, 
that's just you know the the whole dispute is just one shareholder. Other shareholders in TRC in the Rilo company have no issues with that at all. For example, the guys behind Mura. You know, they pretty much jumped on Lucy as well. And it's just that oh, one I see what you're saying. I see what you're it's just saying. that yeah. one majority shareholder, unfortunately, in TRC that have an issue with that. I'm trying to work out how I'm really curious. I mean, you know, if, if I could be a fly on the wall, I'm really curious to know like you know, not even specifically, but how shareholders within the organization could actually hold up development in that way. I don't really know. You know, yeah, it might, what, might what as well be. Doing. It might as well be that the developers have said, like, well, as long as this dispute isn't solved and we don't agree on, you know, a way to go, yeah. we are just not doing any development on the product. We're just doing other work. You know. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. Anyway, so. so I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to see how that will pan out. But what I was going to say, the you know the claims that that majority shareholder makes, saying like, well, there's active development in Rilo, and you know, lots of customers come come online with it, and stuff gets added to the Rilo platform. I'm not really seeing much about that, to be honest. And I mean, unless they magically hired a team. I was going to say, who have, who have they got to do it? Because how many committers are there on, on that, that code base as it stands anyway? Well, there are obviously, you know, the, the few obvious mm. core committers like Misha and Egal and a few other people. Um, but surely you can get other Java developers, but I'd be surprised if there is actually ever going to be another release of Rilo, to be honest. Mm. It's, I, no, it's a re- I, I'm finding it a really interesting, like for, for any of our listeners who don't like um, follow anything in Cold Fusion or the CFML space. It's a really interesting exploration of companies with open source licenses and what happens and the whole legal battles that can ensue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not nearly as clear-cut as, it, as, as I think a lot of people think it could be. Yeah, I mean, you know, you also raised the question of, like, is it good from a fragmentation point of view? I mean... Yeah, no. was, that's, that's one of our notes here. I'm like, that's, I mean, that's, that is like a fourth, fifth, sixth, pick an engine number. You know, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I would personally, don't, I don't see it as like, you know, a fragmentation really, because I kind of assume that Rilo is dead at this point. So from my point of view, it's like, it's a rename really. That's how I see it. You know, Rilo got renamed into Lucy. That's how I, I look it's at it. Be a, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a bit of a wait and see. I think there's other, no other way you can really look at it. Um, oh, yeah, there, there are, there are yeah. definitely other ways, you know, how you can see that. And particularly, let's say, if you work in, I don't know, corporate IT and you want to make a decision, do you go with Rilo? And you, may, yeah. you might have just made a decision for Rilo and all of a sudden, Rilo is kind of stagnant and it's now called Lucy and your stakeholders ask you, like, what the fuck is going on? You know, that kind of stuff makes things more difficult. I would totally yep. agree with that. But from a community point of view, when I look at it, yep. I pretty much see it as like a rename, really, from my point of view. Not everyone would agree with that, and that's fair enough, but that's how I see it. Yep. Fair enough. Oh, we'll see how it plays out. I'm really quite yep. curious. Um, um, but I mean, actually, it's like, as they, they're going to take a hit regardless. You know, change change means people drop off. Like, it happens just with everything. Um, but, you know, maybe this will give them the momentum they need to run forwards um, and do something interesting. I saw, and actually we should bring this up. So I saw on the Floss Weekly podcast, I don't know if you're a listener, um, 
Uh, Floss no. Weekly is a very big free library open source software podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Rilo team are going to be on there. Sorry, not the Rilo team. The Lucy team, uh, I believe Gert's going to be on there uh, soon, I want to say. Uh, okay. The podcast. It's a podcast I listen to. Uh, this Week in Tech, if you've ever heard of them, they're a very big tech uh, podcast group. Um, there's a Floss Weekly. Da, 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 da. There we go. List of upcoming guests. There we go. That's all we see. Scheduled for May 27th, 8.30 a.m. I don't know what time zone that's in. Okay. Interesting. I thought that was... Uh, no, I was looking through that for other reasons, and uh, I saw that come up. Yeah. Clearly, you didn't see my tweet. You may have been asleep. We are in different time zones now. Yeah, um, potentially. I don't know. But, uh, I need yeah, to so. I need to have a look at that podcast. I'm looking for some new podcasts anyway to to listen to. What sort of podcasts? You, what, what do you listen to now? I, I could totally talk podcasts. Uh, I'm what I'm really looking for currently is like a mobile developer podcast. You know, potentially uh, fo- focusing on Android, um, but I'm, I'd be open for you know some generic mobile native development topics. But it seems kind of surprisingly hard to find I don't know yeah I have no idea actually so you it's need to know right because you work for Google now A you, Google knows everything and B you are a developer advocate and Android is a Google technology and I'm a developer so advocate me well I work <laughs> on the Google Cloud platform and so if you want uh, to come on you lame need, excuses if you, to, if you want to integrate really nicely with some uh, mobile messaging needs with Android systems I can totally give you a solution that runs on Google Cloud platform um, I've actually done that recently Yep. Oh, really? I've done, yeah, I'm currently implementing Chrome push notifications as well. Ah, nice. Yep. So using the uh, the messaging systems. Yeah. GCM or, or what it's called Google Cloud yeah, messaging. Nice, nice, nice. I've been meaning I want to play with. Uh, uh, where is it? Have we got it right here? No, not yet. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's really cool. When you say that stuff is really cool, so yeah, for, I know. I'm just, um, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm checking to see what's public. It's all right. <laughs> totally checking to see what's public. Um, okay, so it is public. The Firebase has joined the Google team. Okay, good. Yeah, so Firebase is another really interesting thing in that space. Okay, you've got a link to put in the uh, show notes or have a look at or even. There you go. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> It's Google. Okay, what is that? So Firebase is kind of cool. I haven't played with a whole heap, um, but it's for building real-time collaborative apps. So if you want to do chats or games or anything like that, it's very much, from what I've seen of it, and again, take it with a grain of salt because I haven't played with it properly, um, it's sort of in that sort of meteor space. It's in that that sort of real-time synchronization sort of space. Um, so okay. you can do really neat stuff like pushing out a whole bunch of data to a bunch of people at the same time and, and having it all work synchronously. It's, yeah, so this it's is basically cool. just a layer on top of GCM, really? Uh, no, because it's, it's a data storage platform as well, so it's all synced up that way. Okay. Um, let's see what they should be. I'm not sure what they should be. Sync and store and sync data instantly, as they put it. It's, um, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. It works on pretty much everything. Um, JavaScript through iOS, through Android, through lots of fun stuff. I think okay. React components. And so if, you wanna, if you're happy to store the data actually on 
on Google Cloud somewhere, and then that. Yeah, so thing. yeah, Firebase is a hosted solution. Um, they just okay, yeah. That for you, and it's, it's no ops, which I think is the most ridiculous term I've ever heard. But it kind of have you heard that one before? No ops. Yeah, yeah. Like back, there are tons of platforms like that, like backendless and yeah, uh, hoodie and all sorts of other things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I haven't, I haven't really played with it, but um, I know some people that have. Yeah, that looks interesting. Um, for my current client, I really, I don't think I can use stuff like that because we, we use like GCM for a lot of IM and messaging within their platform. Oh, that makes sense. And, yep. And a lot of stuff needs to run through their engine, unfortunately, because gotcha. you know there's like word filtering and text analysis and translation and all sorts of happening stuff yep. happening on their end. So you, I can really use you know GCM only to push stuff out, unfortunately, yep. and can't really host it somewhere else from a That's data point of view. GCM's pretty awesome. I haven't really played with that either. I'm sort of I'm trying to dig so- more into the other stuff but you're gone it's surprisingly easy to set up from my point of view it's like way easier than setting up like apple messaging from my point of view at least which is good yeah that's fine i'm happy (laughs) i thought it would that makes me happy that's good i like it when people tell me good things i also like it when people tell me bad things because then i can be like hey guys this this thing sucks we should get it fixed yeah that's fair enough so your task for next week then is to find me a good Android blog, uh, Android podcast. Android podcast, got it. Yeah, well, there's this thing that Google has called Search, um, and yeah, but you know, it's much better if you if you as a Google employee ask some of your colleagues, and surely some they must have some really good recommendations for Android podcasts. It's a Google product. Come on, really. <laughs> I just I just found a blog a po- like a, a blog post called the six best podcast apps for Android. Well, but, you know, I don't want to have a podcast app for Android. I want to have a oh, podcast no, that's not what I'm about, about Android. I, I totally did read the wrong thing. Oh, okay, Android uh, podcast. That's going to be good. Oh, but you wanted about mobile development. Yeah, yeah. this is not helping you at all. Oh, and other exciting things. I'm going to I.O. this week. More Google stuff. Yeah. Are we talking, that... talking about a lot of Google stuff? It's going to happen. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. I've, I've actually wanted to go to, to I.O., but it kind of clashed with my previous US trip a little bit, and I didn't want to go get. I didn't even want to try to get a ticket. Or oh, I wanted to try to get a ticket, but it would have been really unreasonable to go again, like you know, a week after yeah. I got back. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. No, I got really lucky. I just I joined like just the right time, and a lot of obviously my teammates are going because we're, we're all advocates. So they're like, oh, we'll get market ticket. So I'm like, sweet. So does it mean like next year you can give me a ticket? I have no idea, to be completely honest. I don't know what rules are around that. You can. There must be like a friend of a friend deal kind of thing. I tell you (laughs) what, I will give you the appropriate amount of of effort for that task. Okay. Which is zero? I don't don't know what that is. I really don't know what that is. (laughs) I don't know what the appropriate level is, but I will tell you that I will give you that appropriate level. Okay, awesome. Very good. Cool. So what else did we want to talk about? Um, just quickly, I started to play with Node. Finally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of but, really... But everyone's uh, left Node to do Go. Don't you know that now? Well, I'm not saying I want to do Node development for the rest of my life. I just <laughs> yeah. um, had so a chance. Yeah. yeah, I gave it a crack because at Dev Objective, Adam Tuttle was just running a Node school night event. Oh, yeah, yeah I've done one of those, yep. 
so I went there and went through the did the first thirteen you know that first block of getting into Node and asynchronous HTTP and stuff like that. that um, did they do that all through? I'm trying to remember if we were curious to see if we did the same one. It's like it's all through like a console. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we totally did the same one. So I did that when I went to CampJS a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was kind of kind of interesting. You know, I think yeah. there is there are particularly there are a handful of interesting cases where you would want to use Node over other things. I'm not such sure. As? Uh, such as building like very asynchronous dynamic systems. But you can do that through other languages. Oh, you can sure do asynchronicity you can. through Go. You can do it through Haskell. You can do it through, 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 through Java. Java. Everything. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of not the point. The the appealing factor is obviously for a lot of JavaScript people that they don't have to learn a new language, right? And that's I'm a different matter entirely. Yeah, and I personally. I can see why that's appealing. Um, I'm not that much of a JavaScript lover that I would actually totally go for Node and do everything in Node. But you know, if you're that kind of person, it's kind of it's kind of appealing, I guess. And to be fair, the Node infrastructure with all the modules and npm and stuff like that. Npm and what, be quite nice, from what I've seen. Yeah, and what what you the the stuff that's available in terms of packages and extensions that's just awesome. You know, that's really what every technology would want to have. Um, and that's, I guess, kind of a draw card for a lot of people. I'm looking for a tweet I did, and I was making fun of Node. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not saying like it's like, you know, the one and only solution. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm definitely not that kind of person. But it was actually fun to play with it for like two, three hours. That's cool. And I'm yeah, yeah. doing a few more of the Node School things just to, you know, try a few other things. And I mean, I'm using NPM anyway for some build processes and stuff. So that's, you know, not entirely new to me. No, that's cool. No, look, um, actually, what was I looking at the other day? I was sitting next to, actually, I was back in Australia before I left, and I was sitting next to um guy I know, and he was uh, showing me some of his JavaScript code, and I barely recognize it now. It's been that long since um, I've touched it, and it's using all the ES, ES6 stuff and all the crazy, yeah. whatever it's coming down. And I'm like, that is that actually JavaScript? And he's like, yeah, man, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if you if you programmed JavaScript, you know, five years ago and looking at it now, you'd be like, yeah, I don't know what this language is. It's yeah, yeah. So it's... That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, no, that's cool. Um, okay, in that same vein, I've been learning Haskell on the side. Very slowly. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> very slowly. Very slowly. Uh, I, I had to, like, I don't know, like, move country. I don't know. That kind of got in the way a little. Um, but I'm doing uh, – what am I doing? I'm doing – there's an online course that's open from UPenn. Uh, CIS 194, Introduction to Haskell. Um, so okay. all the slides are up and I've um, been doing that. I've gotten to the, I think, week two I'm working on right now. Um, but um, no, it's really interesting. I got, I got, I w- I've been, I've wanted to get into Haskell for a while um, and I got more interested in doing it because I spent a while learning Rust primarily. Yep. So yep. because Rust has got algebraic data types and I was really interested in that and I really like functional programming too because my closure background. Uh, doing stuff that I was like, all right, cool. Let's sit down and actually sit down and learn Haskell. And it's been, it's pretty fun. I'm pretty, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm just starting to get more into that, the way Haskell does its type systems. Um, I'm like really just scratching the surface right now, but um, yeah. yeah. I've got a, I've got a friend in, in Sydney who also got into Haskell two, three years ago. And he yep. also said like, he likes it a lot. It's kind of a cool language to do stuff. It is a really cool language and it's um, got some nice tooling and stuff. Um, the Haskell plugin for IntelliJ is decent. 
Yeah. Did you um, see that Rust has released 1.0 recently? I Just did. Last week or something? Yeah, I don't know how they're going to live without being able to break, you know, their whole API every so often. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, Rust is yeah. really interesting. Um, I think I saw that there was a Rust talk at Dev Objective. Did you go to that? Yes, I was there. That was done by um, Dan Callahan from the Mozilla Foundation, and it was actually a really okay. good good talk. Really, really interesting what did, session. What did he? I'm curious. What did he say was like a good use case for Rust? Um, system level development, pretty much. So like really low level, like like in in the same sort of places that Go would go, or in slightly different places. I would probably think so. Yes. I I mean I interesting one. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Fair um, enough. What was your yeah, t- yeah what yeah my, my take is I would use it in a similar place where I would use Go. Yeah. See, it's, in, it's an interesting one. It is an interesting one because I would say that Rust has probably got a higher learning curve, mainly because of the ownership stuff it has around it, where it manages memory, than Go does. Yes. Go is very low in terms of how you how, how quickly you learn it and at least get moving with it. Um, so I'm, I've, I've been thinking about where you would fit Rust in versus Go. Like, if you're building a web app, like if I'm building Rust endpoints, I'd be like, okay, I could build that in Go. I can see that it's kind of I can get stuff done real quick. I wonder if doing it in Rust would be would slow you down or not. I might actually have to sit down and try it one day and see what happens. I, I don't know. I mean, you could definitely do it in, in Rust. I'm With the, the ownership concept, I'm not sure if... We you know when you're used to it, I guess it wouldn't slow you down that much. And you, I would it's also... It's more like a that, very different yeah, kind of Yeah, if concept. I was building like a web app, like most of the time that would be something that wouldn't get in my way. Like, it's not something that I'd care about. You know, it's, I'm not building recursive data structures most of the time, which is what I decided to do was the first thing I was doing in Rust, which was kind of stupid. Uh, and that's where it kind of really hurts. Um, so, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's a, a very interesting language. I, I'm really curious to see how the adoption goes with it. Is there an IDE for it or a plugin for, for IntelliJ or something like that? There is. Last time I looked, it was pretty much just highlighting. Um, okay. Not much in the way of code completion. Um, there's a few things out there. There's probably like an Emacs and a Vim plugin already out there because that's what most people use. For, not me for some stupid reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there the other day. I was like, I'm going to look at Emacs just because. So I started looking at Emacs. and I'm like, this looks hard. I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah, I used Emacs quite a bit for closure, actually. Yeah, a lot of people like, like Emacs for closure. Yeah. It kind of lends itself to like curly braces, lispy languages kind of thing. <laughs> sort of built on top of that, which is fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, it was, no, it was interesting, though. It was, it's, uh, I, was, I was like, ah, oh. Because there's so much stuff for it, like even Vim or Emacs. Like, it's, there's so much stuff out there like that people build plugins and, and add-ons. Um, whereas it, I think IntelliJ is probably a bit of a smaller community, but I'm so used to it now and I'm so ingrained with how it works. It's, it's hard to get away from it. Yeah, and it's kind of nice because you can do all your languages in one place. I like that a lot, actually. But you can do that in Emacs too, like all of them. Well, yeah, you could, sure you can. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you know, do all your languages in Notepad EXE, you know, from that point of view. Yeah, as well. but I mean, there's support. Like, there's, there's there's always a package for support for this stuff. It's generally pretty good. Yeah. Like, I, I would say it's a blanket generalization. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I mean, for at least for Mac, there is X Emacs, which gives you an actual useful UI and you don't have to do all the crazy stuff that you would have to do like in a command prompt basically. So, you know, that helps as well. Uh, one day, maybe I'll yeah. go down that rabbit hole. Maybe. Speaking of Mac, I'm getting a new laptop today, hopefully. 
It's already in Wellington. What are you getting? Um, a Mac Pro Retina 13-inch with 16 gig. Very nice. Which is an upgrade of a two-year-old MacBook Air that I currently use. So it, it hurts a bit to go away from the Air because of its shiny and tininess. Yeah. Um, but the the 13-inch Pro is just 200 grams heavier, and that's you know that's acceptable for my travel. Basically, that's okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, one thing that has become very bad is that over here in San Francisco in the Bay Area, you can have pretty much anything delivered in the space of a very short amount of time. Yeah, so I can imagine. Became that. an Amazon <laughs> became an Amazon Prime member very quickly. We've found like everything that'll deliver stuff to our house within the hour. So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, I can't find the mustard I really like in this country. Hop on Amazon. Ah, one click buy. Sweet. Next thing I know, I have six bottles of my mustard sitting on my my countertop. My wife's like. Google gives you free food. You're not going to eat all of this. I'm like, I will eat all of this mustard. <laughs> sure you will. Sure. The, I read an article about um, a startup in the Bay Area recently that does that, – that basically aims to be the Amazon or the Uber of deliveries. So you can pretty much order anything. If you want a burger from a specific restaurant, you can tell – Awesome. You can order it and they dispatch the next – driver or person that is currently logged in, pick up the burger and deliver it at your doorstep, essentially. I forgot the name. It's, it's actually Good run name. by a guy from Germany. Really? I want to use that. That sounds great. Oh there's my so God. many places that – there's places where we want stuff that most places deliver already, but like a lot don't. <laughs> um, let me have a look. Delivery, startup. Bang. But I mean like it's great. Like we, we got here the other day and – Amy wanted stuff from Whole Foods, which is like the local, like healthy supermarket. And yep. she got, she got this guy that she basically up online, picked all the items she wants, and the guy would have called her up if you know there was, you know, she couldn't, he couldn't find something that she wanted, so he could tell her like, hey, this isn't here. And um, no, it's been awesome. I ordered stuff on Amazon on Saturday morning, had it by Saturday afternoon. It's great. It was my mustard, mm. my mustard, and a bottle of Betadine. <laughs> like the things you buy. and I can buy Tim Tams on the Amazon, so you know that's okay. Oh my god! Yeah. So if you ever come back to Australia, you know you will be in, a, in for a big culture shock. Okay. <laughs> like, what is this? Why can't I have things just delivered to my house? This sucks. Where, where are those drones bringing me drones? stuff? Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't for the life of me. Yeah, I can't oh, for the life of me it. not find. Ah, oh, I think that's it. Is it? Oh no. Um. No, I need to f- dig out that article that I read actually. But there are apparently a bunch of them doing that. Like there's Instacart and this yes, and that. Yes, Instacart. I've used Instacart. Used Instacart. I think that's who got our, our Whole food stuff. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, the, it's one of those basically in that space, but they do like, you know, whatever you want. If you want to have a burger from a restaurant or fries from that particular place, they'll get it for you. It's been crazy. It's been a really interesting culture shock coming over from Australia, especially. Like, it's just, things are on just a different scale. You know, yeah. um, especially in San Francisco, you just walk down the street and you hear people talking about open source and coding and, you know, it could be, it could be anyone, you know, and the, the people, the people who I met, you know, um, even recently, they're like, yeah, I used to work at Intel, and you know, I worked at Facebook, and before that, I worked at Apple. 
Like, like I'm trying to get on a bus, like my first day to go to Google, and I'm standing at the wrong station. And it's a bus that's going to Apple rather than the bus that's going to Google. Like, it's just stupid, right? It's just ridiculous. Oh, oh my God, yep. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, it's, it is, it is very, very different. And, and then so, you know, but then you get startups here where it's like, um, like this one here called Muntry that I was reading an article that we've, we've used. They, um, they basically send you healthy meals that you can microwave. So they send them too cold, but there are so many people here who work for tech industries and, you know, are out working a lot. So it's just so many people who aren't at home to cook. So there is just an audience there for that sort of stuff on such a, and so they just got valued at $300 million, you know. What do they send? They send they send healthy, you know. They basically send light and easy. <laughs> like, would you yeah, really want yeah. to do it? You know. Um, so, but it's, uh, it's yeah. So the culture shock in those sort of ways is very interesting. Um, but it's interesting. It's, it's a different change, different different pace. Yeah, that would be fun. That's what I'm saying. You know, when you come back yeah. to Australia, you will be in for a big shock, probably. Yeah, but Melbourne's picking up, man. Melbourne tech scene is has been pretty was pretty impressive when I was leaving. It's definitely picking up. So okay, cool. So we're pretty much done with our agenda for today, aren't we? Yeah, I could talk about yep. the new phone. That's probably about it. Uh, let's do that next time. Okay, I'll talk about my new phone next time. It's a okay. teaser. Tune in next time to hear about my new phone. Also, for next time, I've invited actually Jeff Bowers to come on the show to talk about oh, that's awesome. the real stuff behind Lucy. Like, you know, if you want to have all the gossip from the Lucy Association Switzerland secretary, then yep. tune in next time. Oh, that'll be cool. Then I can ask him all the hard questions. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you, I would say to our audience, if you have any questions you would like us to ask, please drop us a comment or an email or hit us up on Twitter and we'll put those together and we'll be sure to uh, put those through. That'll be fun. And if you have any suggestions for a good Android development podcast, just <laughs> let me know in the, sh- in, the, in the comments on the blog post because I'm not entirely sure if Mark is going to deliver on his promise. I did not promise anything I'd like to point out. Exactly. <laughs> you didn't even <laughs> promise anything useful. So how can I expect some actual good recommendations from you? You can't. You can't really expect anything from me, let's be honest. Okay, that's fine then. So if anyone has suggestions, please let me know. That would be yep. awesome. And if any of the you know colleagues or managers of Mark listen to that for whatever bizarre reason, <laughs> punish him for not providing me access to any Android developer podcast. <laughs> Here you go. I've got I've got a couple of links for you already going there. Oh yay. Cool. So he's putting some stuff under pressure in our show notes document now, um, and I will put them into the blog post if I deem them worthy. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I think I might have another one for you. Maybe. Anyway, cool. Cool. Alrighty. Thanks a lot, Mark. That was a pleasure. And we'll. I was going to stop you. If people want to get in contact with you, go put the contact details in. Where Where can people reach you? Um, on Twitter, at Agent K is probably the best option. Wonderful. Um, if you want to reach me, Neurotic, on Twitter, um, if you want to reach me on practically anything else, including Google+, Skype, or email me, um, just go to compoundtheory.com. Um, I've got all my contact details and little icons at the top of my blog blog as well. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. Please continue on, on wrapping up there, Kai. Well, that's fine. So I was going to say that was a lovely podcast recording after a while, and we now need to do that more regularly. What we Sounds you know, like that's what, what we say all the time, but we should that's really true. do it. Yep. yep. Wonderful. All right, well, thank you very much, and I'll see you later. Cool. See you later. Uh, bye-bye.